We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Hamney, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham. Sean? James? Brendan, hi, hey, and of <laughs> hi, <laughs> and of course we have Brendan Nunes from the Kings Bulls podcast. Brendan, how are you? James, I'm good. Sean, how are you? Brendan, I'm doctor. Great. doctor, 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 doctor. Uh, no, things are really good. You know, Brendan doesn't know my, that. He no, he has no idea what, what that is. Um, I don't even realize it's movie references until you say, "I don't know what that is." Spies like us. Sure. Oh, yep. I said Fletch. Yeah, I said you should watch Fletch, but Spy, it's a better movie than, than Spies Like Us. But I saw Monty Python the other day. I think that's the right what? name. The most random thing I've ever seen. Okay, the whole movie? But which, uh, okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> I hesitated, lying. obviously, but no, I'm pretty sure I did. Okay, and I, then uh, someone in the chat did, said that on. there's going to be a new uh, Mel Brooks History of the World Part 2. That's great. Brendan, when you were at the end of the movie, did you see credits, sir? I did, but like once <laughs> I saw the credits, the end. but once I saw the credits, I watched this with other people. So once I saw the credits, I realized, wait, how did it end? So I might have missed the very end of it, but there was a point I realized that nothing made any sense. So yeah, okay, that's where we're at. Okay. Which I'm not crazy for thinking that, right? That may, movie makes no sense. It's not supposed to. It's a, it's a right. skit. It's were like skit, skit comedy. No <laughs> comment. Where, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like I'm supposed to be with that movie. Well, um, yeah, I could see that. That's Some might I think thought, I am. Like, My eyes, by the way, look like I've been crying rivers of tears, but oh, allergies coming back in full effect. Yeah, I think they got your your guy, Chris Tavares. He showed up with like, oh, it yeah. looked like he, he Botoxed his eyes. He was all swollen. <laughs> Like what's happening? I'm like, I think you need to go to a doctor. Like any anytime you have something with your eyes, like go straight to the doctor. Like the worst thing ever is if something happens to your eyes. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, the randomness of the Kings Beat podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, we ask that you give us a thumbs up um, and subscribe if possible. That would be very helpful to us. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or I uh, don't name that platform uh, and you want to give us a rating and review, that also helps us. Uh, if you'd like to jump on board and support the Kings Beat and all the good work we do here, go to thekingsbeat.com, uh, become a premium subscriber, get invites to things like the happy hour, but also all premium content that is locked, uh, you get access to. Um, and outside of that, like, hey, what's going on, guys? We got uh, we got a breather. We got a breather. It's one of my favorite times of year, the All Star break, where we can take this like extended break from 
NBA basketball and a little bit of the grind and concentrate on a few other things. But yeah, especially right now, who would have thunk Kings in third place in the Western Conference? And yeah, it's wild. And holding it for like over a month now. So it's uh it's impressive. It's precarious at this point. Would you agree, <laughs> Brennan? It would. Um yeah, I mean, we'll see how long they are able to hold on to it after this point. A game above the Suns that they just fell to in their last game that is going to eventually have some reinforcements coming along that are decent additions along with some of the teams below them. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes moving forward. But I'm uh, glad to have reached the break myself personally. And there's a couple people on Sacramento's roster that are going to be participating in this weekend. So that should be fun. Yeah, um, you know what, let's start there. Uh, I was going to hold this off uh, to the end, but let's just do the business of basketball. This um, is going to be a record. For sure. Yeah, we'll do it early. Uh, how about that? Like, the Sacramento Kings are well represented at the 2023 NBA All-Star Game in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we've got Damanis Sabonis. We've got De'Aaron Fox in the main game. We've got... Keegan Murray in the Rising Stars Challenge. Uh, we've got Kevin Herter in the three-point shootout. Um, you know, like, if they could have got Davion Mitchell in, that would have given him five. That would have been crazy if they would have got him in in the Rising Stars. Uh, well, that did not know. happen. Th- that did not happen. We'll get to that <laughs> maybe later. Um, but let's uh, let's start there with uh, the business of basketball. What are you guys looking forward to the most? Sean is going to be at... Uh, the All-Star Game in Salt Lake City. Brent and I are not making the trip uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, is there one of these aspects of, of the game that you guys are looking forward to? Or the weekend, I guess. Three-point challenge seems pretty fun to me, just because of the roster. Um, I wish the dunk contest was more interesting. I know there's no Sacramento Kings players involved in that, but three-point contest-wise... Yeah, I think that's the whole issue, that usually that is one of the more entertaining parts. And that's weird. there's a player that I'm convinced Philly just signed because he's in the dunk contest. But, you know, um, but for Tyrese and Buddy to be in the three-point contest alongside Kevin Herter and a, a lot of great other shooters as well, Jason Tatum, Anthony Simons, Laurie Markkinen, Damian Lillard, and Tyler Hero, like, I think that's going to be one of the more entertaining things. Obviously, I'm looking forward to watching Sacramento's two All-Stars in that All-Star game and Hopefully Domas is not a his typical just make plays for other style in an all star game, but something tells me he will be. But I, I think three point contest is the most entertaining for me. Sean, I would say uh, first of all, with the dunk contest, do you think we're like witnessing the end? How sad is that? It, it is like mega sad, especially. I mean, look, there are some interesting athletic players th- that are taking part. I mean, KJ Martin just probably hand them the trophy maybe i mean am i out of my mind for thinking that i don't know no yeah um i wish shaden sharp didn't pull out uh, me too me too um there there's look there's a lot of things i'm looking forward to i think the thing i'm looking forward to most is kind of the possibility of seeing fox and sabonis on different teams and uh i'm with you brendan i kind of think uh the the demonis sabonis factor uh and impact in that game will be a little bit um, not entertaining. I think he's just going to kind of lay back. Um, but I think Fox will probably kind of go for it. I think he's going to, you know, he'll he'll run around and he'll get his he'll get his. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to go for MVP, but I think he'll go to show that he belongs and and kind of get some points up. And you know, the format is what it is when they add the 24 um, points to the to the tallies for the fourth quarter and you play to a certain amount. Um, I, I kind of like the format. It worked. It was interesting last year. I think the last two or three all-star games have ended in a way that was entertaining. So um, I don't really think this one is going to fall short of that. I kind of expect that, but yeah, it's nice to see Sacramento very well represented. And of course, uh, Namias Keita also with the G league team. I want to shout him out too. So uh, that'll take place on Sunday before the all-star game as well. So there's a, there's a number of things I'm looking forward to. And how about that? Hassan Minhaj in the uh, celebrity game the Davis resident and Sacramento Kings and, fan. So, and I'll add real quick Domas's last two games as a part of an all-star team, 19 minutes in the first one, 18 minutes in the second one. He's never scored more than two points guys. And he's never taken more than two shots. <sighs> yeah. He doesn't care. Come on. Come on Domas. 
Uh, okay, so I'm okay. I'm. I think that there's a possibility that we could actually have an upgrade here for one of the Kings players. Um, it, it looks like uh, Anthony Simons is not going to be able to participate in the three-point shootout because he's going in for an MRI today. I wouldn't be s totally shocked if they ask Keegan. I mean, he's shooting 42% from three or right around there. He's like one of the best young three-point shooters in the game. So, I, like, I, I'm going to say, like, there's a possibility there. And yeah, and he's in town. He, he'll be there. I yeah. mean, he, he was supposed to leave uh, to go, like, he talked to us the other day and talked about how he was going to go see his, his family and only his mom was coming up for it. But it just requires to stay one more night. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's a possibility there. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what they do there with that position. But as opposed to the slam dunk contest, I think three-point shootout, you have to have, like, the even numbers. So right now I think it's eight players. And if Simons can't play, uh, Simon can't play, then they would have to add somebody. And uh, Keegan's probably, because he's there, probably one of the better candidates to add. Um, so I don't know. That, that would be interesting. Um, and outside of that, the other thing I'm looking forward to is Fox being there. Like, we've got to watch Fox. Like, uh, Sean and I watched him come into the league. Um, brash, like, skinny, skinny, skinny kid with spiky hair coming in. Um, he's he's always been fun to cover. He's always been, like, honest and straightforward. Um, but, uh, like, to watch him grow up and, you know, now he's a husband and a, and a dad again and all that stuff. To me, it's it's been fun to watch him grow up and fun to finally see him get to a point where he's being recognized for his play outside of the city of Sacramento. So that that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is, you know, like Domas is, is cool, uh, you know, and, you know, of course, watching him on a nightly basis, I totally appreciate. But Fox is one of those guys that's kind of like homegrown guy that you get to see uh, kind of come full circle in his career and make it to the, the dance because he's played so well and his team's playing well, so... If there's anything I'm looking forward to, I think it would be Fox. Even though, like, I don't like to watch a lot of it. I don't like. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I once you go to a couple of them, you're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. There's it's a no, circus, man. yeah. There's no original content. There's no one on ones. There's no like. Everything is in like giant scrum settings. It's it's better for. I'll say this. It's better for TV, for for like Sean and and Chris and. For you know, again, Matt George and and uh, is Kevin Johns going? It, it it's better for the TV audience because you have like all this like crazy wild stuff going on. But for writers, it's like you're in a giant scrum that is ten times bigger than what we have here in Sacramento, and we you're gonna hear the same questions we've asked them. It's it's not gonna be anything different. So, uh, and then the game itself is just wild and like overwhelming and. There's usually not enough media seats, and it's like fighting for position, and it's kind of weird. So, like, I'm not going to miss it. A am I, Sean? Sean's like, nope. no, I'm, I'm going. He to nailed parties. it. He nailed it right on the head. There, it's, it's a lot of stuff that happened on the, on the periphery, if you will. There's a lot of, a uh, lot of networking, a lot of, uh, um, a lot of interesting detail that can come away in context and perspective. But, and, and yes, James, parties, parties, concerts. Uh, all kinds of goodies like that. So, uh, well, for you're not me, the it's... party type, Sean, right? So, no, not at all. Um, just I, I lay low and stay home always uh, with with cats. It's uh, Utah. But... Do, do you have that uh, that, that <laughs> with uh, cats shirt? Did you ask Avery to borrow his shirt? His what was uh, the shirt? Oh, his the, party shirt. What was the his, party? Yeah, his yeah. dance club. His, his dance club disco shirt. I didn't know. Yeah, I ballet shirt. Would... Yeah, I might stretch on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, ahead, I would say for All-Star Game, I do think De'Aaron is obviously like the more entertaining player, you know, and I think that's a lot of what factors in for All-Star Games. And it helps that in the month of January, he's averaging 30 and going crazy. But like there's De'Aaron's highlights, I, I think, are a lot more entertaining than Domas's highlights. And the All-Star Game is fooled with nothing but highlights. Yeah, I guess that's a it's a good segue. Um because we saw Fox put up a highlight reel dunk in the win over Dallas, which, um, you know, I think that that, that kind of quieted some of the noise after 
the trade deadline where the Kings did nothing. Uh, well, I shouldn't say nothing. Sorry, Kessler Edwards, where the Kings did a minimal amount uh, at the how about at the how about trade how about how about where the Kings were unable to secure any new players for their team outside of Kessler Edwards. Well, I mean that that would make you think that like they, they didn't tried. have the ability to. Well, I, yeah, like. All right, Sean. <laughs> they, they kicked the tires and tried and kept things in the future in mind. and Try harder. Uh, try. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. The difference between the, the Stockton Kings got an upgrade. You know, it just depends which Kings we're talking about here. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, the uh, let's start with the Dallas win because I think that that, like, it calmed people down. So after the trade deadline passes – you get the the loss to Dallas without Luca, which I think a lot of Kings fans were uh, flustered by. Uh, but then you have this otherworldly performance by De'Aaron Fox on Saturday, and what at twenty six points in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, fourteen points in the overtime, which is a Sacramento Kings record. He beat Pedro Stojakovic's record, eight of eight from the free throw line in the overtime session, which again is a record. I mean, we're talking about five minutes. He scored 14 points and hit eight of eight from the free throw line. Um, that's flat out crazy. He's on a streak where he's he's broke 34 consecutive times. Uh, I think he's got 135 points over that stretch. Uh, he's just been really, really incredible. And we talk about the dunk contest. He had that steal late in the in the fourth quarter I think it was of uh, the win over Dallas where he stole the ball and had the breakaway and the hammer and screamed um, are we watching and he punched it he did he punched punch it. it too that was great yeah are are we watching the moment where De'Aaron Fox like is is elevated to star status by his inclusion in the all-star game but all of a sudden is elevating his game to match that because it kind of feels like like since he's been named an All Star and since we like he's been so incredible. I don't I don't know if I would say that quite yet. Um, I'd like to, um, but just objectively, you know, I, I would say that was, in my opinion, his finest moment of the season. I think there are some people that think it could be his finest of his career, but I just don't see that. Um, you went into the point, into that game with ten points and were rather uh, quiet and just kind of largely ineffective. But you did exactly what everyone criticizes you for, which is, well, wait till the fourth quarter and he just turns it on. And he did. And it was really sensational. Um, you know, I, 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 I think in that game, he, sh he showed a lot of people that he was uh, worthy of the uh, all-star selection, especially considering the previous game where uh, just the night before it wasn't all that impressive. I think it's the difference between star and superstar. Yeah, And I don't think any fair. of us are saying that De'Aaron is a superstar, you know, but if you want to not necessarily want to coast, but are focused on more so getting your teammates involved in those first few quarters, first three quarters, and then decide, okay, now this is my time to take over in the fourth and whatever goes on after that, if there happens to be an OT, then like once the fourth quarter comes around at this point, it's it's expected for me. And I don't know if you guys are at the same point, but with the, the clutch stats that he's put up throughout the course of this year, having that guy is so essential and it's most important time. Like superstars would do it throughout the whole game and maybe De'Aaron can get to that point. I don't, there, there's no point in waiting on that, betting on that or anything. I think there's moments where he's tried to do it in other quarters and it's hard to do that for an entire game. I think the big difference between star and superstar is consistency, but having somebody that does it at the end of the game is so crucial that I would hesitate for the superstar, but having that star is still so ridiculously important to this team. And I think that he was great in those, in the Dallas game. He was great in the Phoenix game, did what he could to carry them. He did have a handful of unforced turnovers that coach Brown pointed out post game as well, that I thought really killed them when they were trying to make a run at the end of that game. But you can ask him to be better. Uh, but this is really all you could want. I mean, no, like I said, you could ask him to be better, but he's been phenomenal. Yeah. And you know, I think we kind of, we pile on him because he doesn't, he doesn't do it every quarter. Right. But 
I also think that like what we're hearing from some of his teammates, it's and from from Mike Brown, it's almost by design. And it, I, I even say this, it feels like he may have heard some of the criticism after he goes off for twenty six in the overtime and fourth quarter, right? In the next game out, where he goes into half with eighteen points and finishes with what? What he finished thirty five the other night um, against Phoenix. Uh, but I'll go back to like we we got Keegan Murray after they lost to Dallas right on Friday, and uh, we asked well I I asked Keegan like hey you had sixteen points at the end of the third quarter and you never took another shot, and his response to me told me that like they're on the same page here or at least partially on the same page. And he said, we have the best fourth quarter player in the league right now. So my job in the fourth, if I get an open shot, is to hit it. But I'm just trying to do everything else on the floor the best I can. I have complete faith in what Fox does in the fourth quarter. And Mike Brown even talked about, like, look, we can't ask De'Aaron Fox to to be fourth quarter Fox in quarters one, two, and three. Like, no one has that kind of juice to sustain that kind of success. But, you know, he's he's allowing his teammates to be really good in the, those first three quarters. And it's almost like it's by design that the team is saving up Fox for the fourth. And so, like, while I want to, like, you know, beat him down a little bit for not having more than, like, eight points or ten points in the first half or the first three quarters, it does seem like it's by design to a certain degree where he is – going around and kind of setting up the game for everyone else and setting up the game for the fourth quarter when, you know, he's able to turn it on and be really strong. I think that also De'Aaron can just turn it on. And I don't know how many players can actually do that. You know, I I think that it's important for other players to catch a rhythm. Like Harrison Barnes, for example, usually has a very good first quarter. And if Harrison Barnes is going into that fourth quarter where sure it's De'Aaron Fox time, but he's already knocked down three of five, three of six, when it does get kicked out of him because De'Aaron gets double teamed or, or whatever the defensive scenario is, that he might be more likely to knock that down because he was allowed to get a rhythm earlier in the game. Same with Keegan Murray or Kevin Herter. So I, I think that there's an aspect of De'Aaron is able to turn it on, but that's not the case for everybody. Sometimes other players need to, in my mind, get in a rhythm earlier in the game to be more effective in the fourth. Uh, I also feel like... Um... Fortunately for him, especially, you know, in this year, especially, uh, it's been largely effective. Um, I think it can be a little bit easier to game plan when you know, you know, like, I'm not saying that he has to be the fourth quarter Fox because sometimes it, it, the ball movement isn't there. Like you, you're just, you know, to hell with the rest of your teammates and you're just kind of putting it all on your shoulders. Um, it, it can sometimes have that type of feel to it. Um, and especially players that, that, that do this kind of regularly uh, tend to have that feel to it as well. And I'll, I'll look back at that Dallas game in overtime when they don't run a play and they just kind of go, you know, he's just going to hold and chuck. And worst case, you're just going to overtime. It's like, well, no, you could have probably ran a play there. Like, if anything, I know, look, that's just the NBA. A lot of times you don't see a lot of teams run p- type of plays, you know, scripted plays. They're just going to hold, hold, hold. Um, and let the one-on-one play or let that player kind of be the star that they either think they are or they know they are. And um, for me, it's not so much of what we see in the fourth quarter, and he just needs to have that type of impact through all four quarters. That's unrealistic. What I'm saying, though, more is uh, you don't have to necessarily do that takeover mode um, in all three quarters, but – have something to where you're a little bit more aggressive in your, in your, in your, in your shot selection, you know, realize that you are that guy and you can, you are capable of getting a bucket. And I think you see it in spurts. And oftentimes when you see it with Fox in the first three quarters <clears throat> is when the other team goes on a six Oh run, or he gets frustrated at a lack of a call on one end. And he just comes, he comes charging down, gets to his spot and hits that little pull up, uh, free throw line extended uh, to just get that bucket back. Um, a lot of times they're in, done in retaliation, if that makes sense. So um, I like it. I mean, it's it's really nitpicky, but, uh, you know, I, I understand people wanting to see him keep his foot on the pedal. And, and, and I don't think it's um, – I think it's super unrealistic to think that he can 
be that fourth quarter person in all three quarters because otherwise he'd be like the greatest basketball player in the history of the world. Um, no one's expecting that of him. So um, you go out there and you you try to see some balanced scoring, but I also feel like I don't love the takeover modes all the time because I like to see – I think this team is at its best when the ball's just – moving 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 and i'd like to see more of that uh if it results in him taking shots look that's what you want i mean he's your he's your he's your guy him and sabonis are your guy um i also feel like i'd like to see domas uh have more touches in the fourth quarter um because everything is so easy for him so um yeah i think that's just a long-winded way of saying i like the fourth quarter fox but i think it could still be just as impactful in different areas of the game as long as the ball movement's still there yeah, I'm going to bring up a couple of points that I think makes that might make sense in this conversation. Um, number one, it seems to me that when he hits his three-point shot early, he the three-point shot is so easy, and it doesn't require a bunch of energy, right? So, like these takes that he has to the rim, these where he's breaking down defenses and getting to space and like pulling up for jumpers and stuff. You can watch each of those and and understand that those, you know, five-second bursts, they do take a lot of energy. But sitting out on the perimeter and taking a three-point shot, it doesn't. And when he isn't hitting his three-point shot, I think that's when we're starting to see, like, sort of the lackluster numbers in quarters one, two, and three. When he is hitting the three is what we got on, uh, was it Tuesday night against the Suns, where all of a sudden the game is coming easier to him and he doesn't have to expend energy to get some of those baskets. What do you end up with four made, uh, made threes? Well, that's. Oh, Sean, you might be muted too. Is this just me? Am I by myself here? No, I was muted there. He was on a roll. So <laughs> he was, I, I was captivated by what Mr. Ham was talking about. I don't know it, if we're going to get him back. Though. It, it was four of seven for De'Aaron from three in that game against Phoenix, 35 points, four assists, four boards, 12 of 22 from the field, but four of seven from beyond the arc. And he hit him early, right? Like to me, to try to attempt to continue on his point, I feel like when defenses see him hit that shot early, they react and then are forced to guard him a little bit differently, which with his speed obviously is an issue. Do we have Mr. Hammer back? I'm back. Sorry. Frozen ham. Sorry. You're good. Sorry. Sorry. We heard you uh, talking about uh, De'Aaron making four of seven from yeah, yeah. Three I was just saying Phoenix. that like one of my points was if he's hitting the three, I think he's a different player early on because those points come easier. The other thing I'm going to point out in the fourth quarter is Rarely do I think it's selfish what he's doing. And maybe that's crazy, but every time I watch him break down a defense, like very rarely is it a bad shot. He's almost always cleared enough space. He's he's like he's unguardable in those situations. And that's why he's been so successful because no one can stay in front of him. And it's not like he's unwilling to pass because he has shown the ability to pass in those situations. But I, I feel like more oftentimes than not, he's taking good shots that you think are going to go in. Every once in a while, there's one or two where you're like, okay, maybe that was ill-advised. But if you can get within, you know, the where he's getting on the floor, if you can get within 15 feet of the basket, like, he's almost unstoppable. I mean, he's shooting such a high percentage from the mid-range. He's shooting such a high percentage at the rim. His floater game is nuts. Like, to me, I, like, I don't feel like he's just being, like, when I watch uh, Luca do it, take over a game like that, there's so many times where it's it's literally, like, 20 seconds into the shot clock, and he just keeps dribbling and moving, and, like, you're just wondering when it's all going to, like, end, and that you know what's going to happen, you know he's going to shoot the whole time, right? When Fox is doing it, he's burning, like, it's eight seconds into the shot clock. Like it's not yeah, like quick. some elongated, like drawn out thing. He's in a rhythm. He's flowing. He's going fast and he's no one can stay in front of him and he's getting to a spot. And I feel like, like I have confidence like his teammates do that. Oh, that's probably going in like every time. Like when, even when he pulls up from 18, a little fall away, you're like, huh, more often than not, that big teardrop from the outside has gone in, uh, in those situations. So, I kind of don't have any problems with it. I, I do, you know, if he could score like four or five more points 
early in the game and kind of like get some, you know, kind of get some easy buckets early, that would be great. But at the same time, am I expecting him to score 35 or 40 every night? No. You know, I don't think he can hold up doing that. I don't think anyone can really hold up doing that. So I, I'm really impressed with what we're seeing. And I, I think we are seeing like the next version of him and him like since he's, uh, since we're has had the baby, I think we've seen him just like he's blossoming again. And, you know, even the first three games that he had 30, that was three games in four nights. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, he scored 100 points in three games, but in he scored 100 points in four nights. And that's that's just wild. Even the, the crazy overtime, the, you know, 14 points in overtime, that was a f- uh, the third game in four nights. So it was a back-to-back, but they also played on Wednesday. They played on Friday. They played on Saturday. Uh, and that's when he came up with all those points. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's been pretty impressive. So uh, I, I don't want to, like what Sean said, nitpick all that much because I still think that I see moments where he sets up his teammates and gets some open looks. And whether they hit those or not is you know up to those players. But I think he instills confidence in people by finding them in those situations. I just don't think that there's a lot of shots for anyone else in the in the fourth quarter. Well, and it was when you talk about Keegan saying that it, it was kind of like a uh, I don't know if I like hearing that. You know, you you want him to feel like there is an equal opportunity out there for offense, but you are recognize you are recognizing you have a star factor there. Um, but you have to recognize when you have a shot to take it because especially if they're going to leave you in the fourth quarter, um, it's just part of the I, I don't know. It's just part of like one of those development things for him because you don't want him to think like oh I just have to get the ball to Fox, you know. I kind of felt like it's a, uh, what is it, my, my captain, my captain moment. That's what that was. That was yeah, but know. that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And that's also a uh It is. I, I think it's dangerous if it's everyone doing it. <laughs> a movie that Brendan would not understand. No. It's too bad. Dead Poet Society. Really good movie. I, I will say, I feel like Keegan will would notice if he caught the ball wide open because the help defense was focused on De'Aaron. You know, I don't, I don't think it's... James again. James, we did, James, it's, it's, and it's an unfortunate. Oh, look at that! I thought face. that was just a thinking face. We just blew his mind. Look at that. <laughs> he's thinking about shit. What's going on with my third boat right now? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a interesting thing breakdown of that, but there are uh, part of me too is just because I've been so enamored with wanting to see Domas uh, t- take advantage of really any situation. I think last night was a little bit different with Phoenix because DeAndre Ayton, such a big body, big presence there, kind of makes life a little bit difficult at times. But in you know, the doubt the, the Dallas series uh shouldn't have, in my opinion, have been as tasking on him as as, as it had. So I'll, I'll ask you real quick since you've been yeah, ignore the audio for the YouTube or the visual for the YouTube video, audience. Yeah. This will I'm be fixed. Back. Um, I'll, I'll ask Brendan you was about quick, to ask Sean. a question. Here we go. I am, if that's all right. Yeah. You've been very big on, uh, Domas being score first, which agreed. Like I've been convinced throughout the course this year, not big, but like feeling like he could more often, I guess last yeah. five games, he's averaging 6.2 assists. I think in the last 10, that number is at five. Do you feel like teams have been defending him differently and, and feel any different with that? I've, it's funny. I actually have wondered that myself. Um, I, I kind of think he's being, uh, part of me was wondering if he's being just, I just need to get to the trade to the, to the all-star break here because I feel like he's had such a workload put on him and he's just kind of, kind of beat up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I've wondered that too. I don't think it's anything the defense did again. I, I think that first Dallas game, uh, gave me some concern there because I didn't think they should have given them, uh, the fits that they did overall. And I think he was largely to blame. I don't think he was good defensively, um, had some real, real struggles, but uh, you know, he's also out there doing it primarily all by himself when it comes to a lot of the big quote unquote, big men roles for this team. So um, bearing that in mind, I kind of wonder if it's just a little bit of a wind down as you get into the break. Yeah. I think no one needs a break. Like Sabonis needs a break. I mean, well, he caught a, I could use a break. Yeah, I, me too. Yeah. But, you know, he caught the, the big knee to the, the quad from JaVale. Um, and that clearly hurt. His his thumb is clearly 
you know, still an issue. It, it's gotten better, but it's still an issue. That was another thing this this week. Uh, Keegan talked about the thumb and how he doesn't have to wear the brace anymore. And then he started delving into the ligament issues and stuff. And we're like, okay, man, they, they've never diagnosed your injury. They've never told us an injury for you. Uh, like you showed up on the injury one, one no injury. game. It's it just a sore thumb since then. We have no idea what's wrong with you. Um, but uh, like, it looks like he's at least getting a little more healthy. Uh, but with Sabonis, I think just the mental toll that a season takes on you and how much pressure has been put on him and how much pressure I feel like this whole entire Kings team is under at this point just because they haven't been here before and they, they don't know this feeling. And, you know, being the three seed, Mike uh, Mike Brown has talked about going from being the, uh, the hunters to the hunted. And I, I think that that's a big deal for this team. They start, they're starting to feel that, you know, they're, they're the hunted. Even I think uh, Phoenix has one more game before the deadline, uh, before the, uh, the break here. And, um, you know, they can cut the Kings lead to a half game in the Pacific and, and for the four, uh, for the three seed, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but like, do you think, where do you think they're going to end up? How do you think they're going to hold up here with sort of like where they're at in the standings? It, because clinging to three is going to be very, very difficult. Where do I think Phoenix or Sacramento is going to end up? Sacramento. Hopefully in top six, but I think it's more so we're talking about five, six than three, four. Um, I, I think that Phoenix, I don't know the exact timeline on KD, but once he comes back and even where they're at right now, like the Kings just saw the other night, like Phoenix is a very good team. The Clippers have had Kawhi and PG back, which they've been missing throughout most of this season. And both of those guys to be playing is pretty big for that team. And after that, I mean, to be honest, there's about three other teams that I wouldn't be shocked if they pass the Kings, but I also might be buying a little bit more into just these other teams are more proven. Um, and it just takes a little bit more time for me to believe in this Sacramento roster, but I think they'll stay top six, but right now I lean more towards five, six rather than I do three, four. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll be watching that uh, Thursday game because it's going to be Clippers and Suns, and with the half game between them uh, in that four five uh, Suns Clippers range, that's uh, going to, it's going to be a game that's going to be worth watching. And I wouldn't be, I'm almost expecting both those teams to leapfrog the Kings, but um, I think that's okay. I don't think that that's a, a terrible thing. I don't think they're falling out of the top six, um, but as Brendan alluded to, you know, I, I could certainly see, I could certainly see it happen by just by virtue that you have what three games, three games separation from uh, three to seven and uh, not much more after that to get to 11. So um, no, I, I don't think they're going to tumble by any stretch, but I do think, you know, Phoenix is, you had a talent like KD. I mean, you're also, it's funny. You're also still undefeated within the division, which I think is interesting um, with that team. So uh, they've won, they've won seven of 10, you know, see what happens when they come in with the Clippers. I think the Clippers are going to win that game though. Uh, Phoenix is undefeated in the division. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like I think Saturday night worked as like, Sean, you remember the, when they traded DeMarcus Cousins at the trade deadline and then the first game back from the break, we got to like the mid third quarter and the Kings looked like they were getting beat up on by Denver. And then they had this moment where they went on this big rally and they came back and they beat Denver. I think mm -hmm. they beat Denver that night, but that moment where you're like, ah, oh, I think everything's going to be okay. Like that's what everyone right. in the building felt. And of course it fell apart right after that. But, but, uh, on Saturday night, I think that that's, the overtime win kind of gave fans that moment like, okay, we didn't see our team do anything at the the trade deadline and all these other teams did. And, you know, Dallas beat them without Luka on Friday night. And then you get to Saturday and they rallied and they fought and they clawed back and they found a way to win. I think that was like a big like sigh of relief for fans um, because they easily could have gone in to the break um, if they lost that game, they easily could have gone into the break uh, in fifth place, right? Well, I think you also couple it with some of the stuff that's happened uh, just over the past few weeks. I mean, look, you almost you almost lost in Houston. Um, you know, you you, yeah. you had some moments on the road. So, like, you can you can 
if you're a fan, you're looking at the success of the team and you're like, yeah, you know, you've, you've, you've earned third, you've held on to third, but you've really been a 500 basketball team for the greater part of a couple, maybe a few weeks now. And you know, characteristics of a basketball team that's 500, you get a lot of Jekyll and Hyde. So you can see that there's moments that you're like, man, on some nights they look fantastic. There's other nights where they just look like they don't have a clue defensively. And if the ball's not falling, boy, they're done for. So, um, fortunately though, if you're a fan of this team, you don't, you see that they don't get really blown out of games. Uh, and that's a really encouraging sight for a team that's, that's battling the way that they are and positioning themselves the way they have. So I also feel like, you know, there's a lot of that thought and, and calculus that goes into what this team is right now and where they stack up in the West. I mean, this is a bona fide, true tested team that, um, you're not going to say is a fluke. I mean, it's not a fluke this far into the season. Um, it, it may not be the type of recipe that is is going to be successful in a in a series, a seven game series. But you're, you've positioned yourself well. You've you've taken advantage of your schedule. You've done what you're supposed to do for the most part. And even now, where it feels a little bit 500 basketball, even if this might be truly the way you you play uh, going forward, can, considering the way other teams are now going to put their foot on the pedal a little bit more and, and really try to start positioning themselves and going for it. Uh, you don't, you, you took care of business so far, so you don't, you can kind of have the luxury to have this. Like I, I, I told one of their, one of their people um, over the course of the rest of the season, they're like, what do you expect? I said, I think if you go 500 basketball, you're still going to be fine. If you go 500 the rest of the way uh, into the playoffs, I think that can, you you've got enough equity there to where, you you should be just fine to to eclipse maybe that of what you thought you could really do uh, in the postseason and maybe win a series and see what happens. But um, I'm not expecting like them to go out there and win seven out of every ten games. Yeah, I, ver- go ahead, I very much agree with Sean. I, I think that I get why it's important to update expectations, and maybe I'm at the point where I need to do that more so. But I can't help but come back to like what I would have identified as a successful season coming into this year. And top six was kind of a dream, to be honest. Like I, I thought that just getting in the play-in and, and making it in from there was best case scenario. And that was probably sneaking into the play-in. So for the Kings to be going into the all-star break, sitting in the third seed, like as much as, like I said, maybe I should have ex- updated my expectations more than I have, but just reflecting back on what a successful season in my mind would have been at the beginning of the year. I feel like they're in a phenomenal spot. Well, and guys, okay? what it, what it, what, real quick, James, what it really yeah. boils down to is you can identify those teams that you expected more so than you did from the Kings. Like if you're going back, rewinding to the beginning of the season, this is why, you know, no one has a crystal ball to be able to figure this out. But uh, I think we all thought the Lakers would be better. I think we all thought that the Portland trailblazers would be a little bit better. Warriors um, certainly the Warriors are in that category the Pelicans the T-Wolves maybe um, and, and and even the Clippers who had started a little bit further down and now are surging a little bit um, even the Suns for by and large for a greater part of their season they were a little bit further down the, the Western Conference standings so um, that's some of the, the the thought process that goes into it and by virtue of a lot of those teams still remaining farther down in the Western Conference the Kings have taken advantage of that man and it's no you know they're everything that they've done uh, is not fluky. You don't make it up to third and, and have this like, okay, you've done it by luck and take advantage of the schedule in front of you and all these things like sure to a degree, but like it's, you've got a tough schedule the rest of the way. And it's why the first part of the schedule was so important. And so now you've positioned yourself. Well, if you can hold on to it again, I don't think they're going to slip past six and that's, you're talking three spots in the Western conference. that's still very, very jumbled. I think they're going to, they've earned it and they're going to hold on to it. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued because when I looked at like, again, the, the Saturday game, I thought, okay, that's a big like sigh of relief. But then we get to Tuesday and you see the holes again. Like, was there a game that you could have looked at like and said, okay, they really need that backup center when Aiton is going right over the top. Oh man, they really need that backup point guard when Chris Paul is orchestrating like this brilliance. And, oh, man, they really could have used a little bit more length uh, when Devin Booker starts going nuts and and Mike Brown starts, you know, stretching and reaching for Kessler Edwards and Keon Ellis in the late third quarter and 
that's where I started to get to the point where, man, I would like to tell you that I like I believe in like what you're saying, Sean, that this is who they are and that the final 25 games is going to be split 50-50 or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, I, I look at the holes and I still think you didn't fill them. Like they're still right, there. Right. They're well, still obvious and they're and you didn't do anything about it, uh, which kind of brings us to the next discussion. And that's the like, can the Kings get better from here? Can they be players at all in the buyout market? And is there a player or two in the buyout market that you guys think that you would like to see in a Kings in a Kings uniform to kind of help put this team just not over the top, but in better position and, and maybe disguise a hole for for the next you know month and a half. First of all, there's nobody in the buyout market that exists that will put them over the top. So no. just want to no. make sure that people are hearing that right. Well, but I, I, I mean, over I've the got top a guy as in like to keep them at like the the three seed. Just because Javale McGee didn't get bought out, or what, Sean? Javale. Well, well, tell me you didn't watch that game and go, man, he could certainly help the Kings. Every well, time I see Javale, I just think Jason uh, Jason Jones. Just and loves, by the way, let me, let me let me can I can I point something out? Uh, you don't have to look very far on that coaching staff to somebody who coached JaVale McGee, who could certainly love to have JaVale McGee and had him as a champion. Uh yeah. Okay. So let's just let's hit Wait. the buyout market then. Okay, maybe His I'm slow, but Brown. explain the name. Okay. Isn't, yeah. I thought that yeah, was but I guess Mike makes sense. Yeah. Um uh, no, the guy that and first of all, you know, look. I, I'm not saying I wanted JaVale McGee. I'm just saying things that, like, I hear scouts talk about. I hear people come in, and the guy who hasn't been playing very much, and he came in, he kicked the King's ass. He really did. He kicked their ass that game. Yeah, um, oh, and I agree. You, you look at what JaVale McGee could do, it's like, well, that would be nice. You you don't have somebody like that on your roster presently, and that's, I think, the, the larger point. But I do think that it's is a way a larger the center point. position. Right. Yeah. I think also, you know, you ask, is there a guy that, that I've had my eye on? It's a guy I've had my eye on for a while, even last year. And he's helped he's helped the Lakers phenomenally. He's helped the uh, Spurs at times. He fit in nicely with the Spurs. Uh, Stanley Johnson is a guy that I think could come in as a two-way player and hopefully be cheap because I don't think you need to commit money to next year uh, for him. I don't think he should want that either because I think he'll have a home. But um, and, and and just keeping in mind of what things the Kings have in the works for potentially next year, um, in terms of you know Sasha Vizenkov, uh, things like that, you don't need to commit a whole lot of money to people. Um, I, I think Stanley Johnson could help this team here and now. I think Stanley Johnson is a minimum contract with a team option for next year. Adam, like I think it's like a two-year three that you could have just claimed. And he just cleared waivers. Did he clear waivers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a guy that, like, if you really wanted, you probably should have just claimed. Um, because it was it was a super, super low-budget contract. But you could also just, I mean, he, he him clearing waivers, you can just go and sign him for the rest of the season. Yeah, but then you're competing with teams. As opposed to if you yeah. claim him, then he has no choice. Um, yeah, uh, Brennan, I think I know... in a perfect world situation, though, you don't want to owe him money for next year. I think that's the based on things that you are anticipating with your team. Uh, you can certainly be in the conversation, but I don't think you want to be on the books having to owe him money for next year. No, so uh, if that makes sense, just for clarification, I guess I should know this. But if you claim him, you're picking up that contract that also includes the next year. Well, I, actually, I'm looking at Stanley Johnson's contract. He's 1.67 million for this year, and that's it. He doesn't have a contract for next year. So you could have just claimed Stanley Johnson and and had him and not worried about the the second year. Or even if he was, like, it's possible that that's what his contract looks like. I'm, I'm going to look at one more spot where I can actually see what his contract was. But if, but if you claim a player, you're claiming their current contract? Yeah, you claim their current contract. So Got that's it. why, like, if Nerland's Noel gets waived, like, the Kings aren't picking up that $9 million contract. Um, yeah, so Stanley was on a, a 2.35 million, but he only counts like 1.6 something. Um, yeah, January 2022, he signed a two year, $3.2 million deal. Um, they could have easily, like, my point, Sean, is like, if you wanted Stanley Johnson, yeah. you had to waive a player to do it. And that might be why the Kings didn't, because they don't want to waive a player until they know they have a player. 
and, and so you know, and and they're at fifteen. The roster spots are filled. Uh, mm-hmm. So so as of right now, but um, you know, again, like you bring up Stanley, uh, like Brennan, what what are you thinking as far as players? I don't mind Stanley Johnson. I think he fits the prototype. Um, I worry about him offensively, but I think there's some versatility there defensively at six six. Like. I think he fits sort of the prototype you're talking about, but I, I don't mind a Nerlens Noel. I'm admittedly a big Pat Bev guy, and I Stop kind it. of think he can Stop play the it. one and the two. You don't think have Pat you Bev? Watched, have you watched Pat Bev the past two years? They don't need that guy on the team. What is that guy? You don't think they need defense He's like inept that? offensively. You already have Davion Mitchell who's going through um, some struggles. What, what is Davion better at than Pat Bev? defensively he's he is better than Davion yeah. than Patrick Beverly at this point in his career are you kidding me okay, Patrick Beverly isn't what he used to be guys he, and okay. he's a head case so just add that on top of it you can't and play I, both and, and of them? James knows me I love Patrick Beverly I love head cases I love people who have a little bit of crazy <laughs> in them I think every team needs them you don't need Patrick Beverly don't think you can play both of them who at the same time yeah we're talking about Mitchell and him yeah, not for long. Why would you want to? Why not would you for want long. To? Because you, what are your other options right now? You played Keon Ellis last well, night. I mean, it wasn't long, it... but you played Kessler Edwards last night. Like Kessler Edwards yeah, had potential, but, but... that that that's my that's more my point though. That's why I look to more of a, a bigger wing type player as opposed to a, a backcourt player. I think a lot of their uh, deficiencies, like they can hide deficiencies on the um, in the backcourt. I think Fox is a capable defender. I think um, Mitchell is a stellar defender. Um, and I think Monk gives you enough of defensive effort. I think a lot of their stuff is more wing, and and, and especially at the perimeter. And I think some it's obviously KZ Akpala is not in the equation at the moment, but um, you know I think Stanley Johnson gives you more than what KZ Akpala can give you on the offensive end, and give you slightly less than what KZ Akpala would give you on the defensive end. I just think I just think that's a that's a role that could help out uh, for sure. Okay, so let's let's do speed round then. Uh, Russell Westbrook, yay or nay on the no. buyout market? God, no. no. I'm gonna throw yeah, up. That's a, that's a negativo from James. Uh, John Wall, no, same answer. No, I'm slightly more intrigued by John Wall than I am by the others. Uh, by by Westbrook, just because you, I think you, John's. You got to you know. know. You're third in the West. You got to know. You got to know if this person's going to help you, and you just labeled another guy right. who's not great defensively. Wait, well, why do you, have to you don't kick the if you tires, bring them on that? and they don't play like what's the big deal because you already have guys that don't play that you know you're not affecting the chemistry you're not disrupting anything you know what i mean okay yeah fair enough uh let's go you don't need ones. you don't need to pick up anybody that doesn't play if you're picking somebody up you're picking up somebody that's going to be ro- you would hope going to rotationally help you can i ask real quick who's the guy that you cut uh well are you, who are we asking Glenn. are we asking me or are we asking like what the kings would do i'll ask you because i would cut i would cut matthew delavadova okay I would do alex line okay that's a little pricier right but it doesn't it doesn't matter though. it doesn't really matter at this point if he's not gonna play he's not gonna play yeah i think you could cut alex i, I think uh delavadova has been more of a leader than uh than hire him than- as a coach than Alex. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. He's here and there. Alex Len doesn't play unless he's starting a random game. Okay, so I mean, it, you could also like. There's a list there. You could keep going. You could cut, uh, like, you could cut uh, Kessler Edwards. You could cut Casey Akpala. What are the rules, like, James? You could do with your two ways. You have to. Well, they can't play in the playoffs. So um, your two ways. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, like, yeah. Your two-way players can play up to 50 games, um, and you know those guys have been tracking games this whole time. If they're if they're on the roster for a game, they get uh, then it counts towards their 50. But when you get to the end of the year, you have to if you want them to play in the playoffs, you have to waive a player and clear a roster spot and sign them to the playoff to the uh, the main roster. Um, so even like if the Kings were to wave somebody now and then clear up a roster spot and then go chase one of these guys in the buyout market, they could right. come back around and say, okay, none of those guys worked out or, you know, our season's kind of gone really well and we're not going to use that spot anyways. We might as well promote somebody. And then you could sign someone else to a two way. 
Um, you can use it two ways all the way up till like pretty close to the end of the year. You remember they signed Liu King to a two-way really late in the year after the buyout market and everything. They converted Chemezi Metu from a two-way to a regular contract and then uh, added Liu King. Yeah, and nobody ever goes like from a roster player or unless you're unsigned and then you just you have to uns- they're they're just a free agent and you sign them to a two way, but you have to cut another two way basically. So if you cut yeah. two Keon Ellis, sorry, your virgin ears there, Brendan. How that would dare be you? Holy! But just as an example, you know, if you were to cut Keon Ellis, you'd have to sign somebody else as a two way player. You don't have to. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you can leave a two way spot open. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying if you're filling that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like you can also convert someone. You can go to them and see if you can convert them from a regular contract to a two-way. If once you cut a player, you cannot bring them back in any way, shape, or form because they've made too much money on the main roster. They're only allowed to make like fifty k. So that's where we got with Chime- right. uh, Chima Moneki, where the Kings couldn't send him to Stockton. They couldn't do anything else with him. Um, okay, hang on. We got to keep going on the list. Nerland Noel. Yes, no. No. Yes. How dare you? Um, well, you I have seen heard... him play, haven't you? Not really. Yeah, but... It's kind of the issue this year. <laughs> this year, this year, no. Previously, yes, but he has not played much this year. But what There's... is it hurt trying? Your backup center sucks right now. We, we've heard rumors at the Kings, well, that Mike Brown specifically liked Nerlens Noel. Like that, that's out there. So um, whether protection. or not he, and and he hasn't been waived yet, but the likelihood of him being waived now just jumped because of the Weissman deal. So once they traded Weissman there and they have, you know, Isaiah Stewart and they have um, Jalen Dern, Jalen Dern, which I, Jalen Dern's a stud. Uh, like they don't need Nerlens Noel and the, and the idea there, he's owed $9 million next year, but it's a team option. So if you waive him now, you pay out as whatever, maybe you can save a million bucks in the buyout. I don't know. There's still Marvin um, Bagley. We don't know what position he plays yet. I would, you know what? I, <laughs> I don't love Nerlens Noel. I would take a flyer on him because he is a better defensive player than what you have, and he's got better length, and he's a better shot blocker than Chimezi Metu or you know Rashawn Holmes or anyone else that they have at this point. He's more versatile a defender, I think, and he can actually protect the rim. And he's always been a good steal guy as well. Um, okay, uh, Will Barton. Yes. I, and Intrigued. I'm coming from the standpoint of in place of Alex Len, who's not playing. So it's very easy for me to say yes to people. In intriguing, you have my attention. Yeah, he can score and he can play a little D. Like I, I would take, I would take Will Barton. Um, I don't know if he would choose the Kings. Uh, and then the last on my list was Pat Bev, and I, we got a a no, a yes, and I'm probably going to say no, but I'd also say like. Pat Bev can be like a heart and soul guy. He's a guy who who holds players accountable on the court. He is a guy who um, has made the playoffs many, many times. Um, and that, like, I think is a guy that Minnesota missed a lot when he left the room. They and missed just, his, that version of him for sure. They missed his personality it was a as year much ago. as they missed anything else. It was last year. Uh, so I put out a name. What was your name that you would die on a hill for? Um, like if I'm looking at this list, I would, I would probably choose Will Barton and I would also look at Nerlens Noel. I would see if I could get them both because I think those players fit positions of need. That makes sense. Brendan. That I'm dying on a hill for, I don't think any of these players are dramatic. No, none of them are dramatically changing anything. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with Pat Bev. I think defensive intensity, and I think just bringing a edge asshole culture to a unit. I, I, I like feel like you. I feel like people think he's an asshole if you're on the other side of it. When he's on, I feel like it's one of those guys that when he's on your team, that you go to bat for him. But he's never been on my team, admittedly. So I will say this selfishly: if Pat Beverly comes to the Kings, uh, even though I said I wouldn't sign him, I'm gonna be thoroughly entertained <laughs> so it, it will you will for people who think that like sean doesn't want pat beverly on the team i will be absolutely entertained and i will request him for every media availability right um because i absolutely love the guy but i just i i wouldn't sign him no i i'm i'm gonna go the other way i, I would sign him 
I'm just going to, like, right now, I, I don't think Davion's giving you enough, unfortunately. And he's also, he's not bringing any of that edge, that personality. And I think one guy like that um, on the defensive end being noisy and he can actually create a bit of a culture, a buzz on that end to help out. So, okay, we got to wrap this thing, thing up pretty quick. What do you got, Brennan? Just Go to be clear, I'm not saying, like, the Kings have to get Pat Bev. I just was forced to pick a name in the buyout like, market. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm forced to pick Bat Bev, and Sean is forced to pick uh, shit. What was the name? It wasn't. Stanley I'm the Johnson, New Orleans guy. How dare you? No, Stanley. You, Stanley. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah, like I would take Stanley Johnson too. <laughs> like I, I don't know. There's enough names here, guys. that might be able to help you defensively. Like James would like to three sign three on the buyout market and waive three <laughs> on this team. I think that's what we've learned about. <laughs> I mean. They play nine. Guys I see three night. cuts. I see three cuts without even <laughs> like I, I'm not even tired. Like sorry, cut you. You're gone. You're gone. Uh, okay, let's let's go quick. Final thoughts. Uh, sorry, Sean, we don't have time for oh, for long winded okay. Rihanna takes. You know uh, how floating I feel. Rihanna was amazing. Go ahead. Did she almost fall? No, one of her uh, dancers almost did. But, he, but what a recovery, man! If you ever if you can find it on Twitter, he does kind of. He or she, I don't know. He was in that white getup, but uh, kind of slipped, fell on his ass, got right back up, and I'm like, "You're 150 feet above the field." Uh, he did. It's not like he dangled over the side. He or she dangled over the side. He got back up. So, um, Sylvester's yeah, little Sloan scary moment, cliffhanger moment. It was kind of like Luca falling on his ass when he was backpedaling. <laughs> that was talking amazing. shit. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. freaky. That high up in the air on that stage. <laughs> Tell me about it. That was crazy. Yeah. But no, Brennan, she was final fantastic. thoughts. Um, I've grown to really enjoy the Kelsey brothers podcast, which is probably fitting throughout the time of them both being in the Super Bowl. but check that out. It's very enjoyable. Have they done their, their new one yet? They just did. I think it came out earlier today and I've seen clips, uh, where Mm -hmm. Jason is crying about seeing his mom after the fact and how special a week it was for her and everything. So they just came out with their post game. Their pregame Super Bowl one was great. She was a rock star out there, man. She was. The split jersey was great. That and like she may have wanted to have have a discussion with her sons about like not dropping f bombs in the middle of major national television interviews. That that would be nice, but like to each their own. Like good for them. I love and it. it. I'm all excited, like because Mahomes won. So yeah. Do you have a shrine of Mahomes in your, in your house yet? <laughs> no, no, but he's my. Do you want to show off your Super Bowl ring again? again? One of the boats no. says Mahomes on the side, or it does not say yeah, rolling with SS rolling with Mahomes, <laughs> Roll, SS rolling with Mahomes. Yeah, it, I don't. No, I do have a jersey which my like son bought me for Christmas. I'm not a jersey guy, but and my wife wore it for Super Bowl Sunday. But yeah, me and my son, we like to have the jersey and then take pictures with the rings when we mock our fantasy football. Uh, Your son likes to take a lot of pictures with, were, with the multiple rings. No, that's it. That's my older son. My older son is not in a lot of pictures. My younger son may have had the greatest picture in the history of pictures, <laughs> um, which we're not going to discuss here because he's young and he makes, makes it mistakes. Sound dirty. And yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. I have to go jump on the radio. Uh, it's one of those days where we're in double duty. Um, but uh, you guys are good. Yeah. All good. Yeah, man. Sean, safe travels in uh, Thanks, in guys. Utah. Um, I I think this is probably going to be the only podcast this week because we get the uh, we get a little break here. Um, but we'll hit this thing hard next week when Sean's back from Utah. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Sean's dry weekend um, and all that dry. stuff. What <laughs> do you mean? Kidding. Just because you're going to Utah, <laughs> just, just oh. messing with you and the great state of Utah. Very, uh, very yeah, saturated. So, <laughs> There we go. He'll bring his own. (laughs) Uh, All right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. Uh, Make sure to hit the thumbs up. You were talking about alcohol. You're a dumbass, Sean. Yeah, you're a dumbass. (laughs) Uh, Make sure to subscribe. Uh, Make sure to jump on board with the King's Beat with a premium subscription so you can get access to all content. Uh, So for... A not <laughs> very dry fun. country's box forty shotgun. What countries? What are we talking about? <laughs> and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. I'm James Ham.
DraftKings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. We'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.